Good morning to you all. So good to be worshipping God. Thank you so much for your passion for Jesus because that's one of the greatest encouragements to me every time. It's just wonderful to be a part of a family that is on fire for God. Um, for the, uh, over the past few months, I've been invited to preach to uh, some of the local churches on Teesside. And I know at this point you're expecting me to say you're the most passionate. But uh, no, it's just amazing that God is doing that amongst his people uh, on Teesside. So we're not the only ones passionate for him. That there are other people, there are other churches on fire for God, really listening to what he has for them. And it's great that we are able to get together uh, now and again, but especially with the leaders, to pray and seek God and see what he has for his side and his plans. And if you're a guest here this morning, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Um, and we hope that uh, you've got as much out of this um, as you were hoping, or even more. Because when you come into the presence of God, as Raj said, he's the gift giver and he always gives more than you expect. So this morning we're going to be looking at um, uh, the Gospel of John and continue there. And um, this morning we're going to be looking at chapter 19. And um, the two themes that I've picked in there are justice and the kingdom of God. So um, we heard how last week um, Judas went and got uh, some pieces of silver and told the Romans uh, Jesus' whereabouts. Um, the Roman soldier, along with some Jewish authorities, came and took him, and he's being arrested. So this is going to continue. So if you've got a Bible, if you could uh, turn to John chapter 18, verses 19 to 24, and then 28 to 40. If you haven't got a Bible, the words will be projected on the screen. So it's John chapter 18, and I'll be reading it. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to, uh, to Caiaphas, the high priest. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. 
For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Let's pray. Hey Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have access to your word. We thank you that uh, with your spirit we can read it and we can understand your purposes, Lord. We thank you that you've revealed yourself and your character to us through your word. We honor you for what you're doing through us. We honor you for today and for the time you've given us, Lord. And we pray that as we look into your word, that you just open our eyes to your wonders, open our eyes to your will, Lord, and allow us to see your kingdom, Jesus. We thank you for all you're doing in your people and through them. Amen. Brilliant. So for just a moment, let's not think about your Sunday roast, if you've got that ready in the oven. Let's not think about what you're going to have for lunch afterwards, although I'd love to hear what you may have. So if it's, good, if it's a good deal, I may join you. But let's just not think about that for a moment and walk with me through a story. Let's just walk through this. Imagine you're a young girl in the Middle East in a Jewish society, in a Jewish village, a very small village. It's quite conservative. It's Jewish year 3,758 and you're just minding your own business, doing the sort of things that girls of your age would do. Uh, people talk about the Messiah. There's great expectations. The Romans have been ruling you for uh, a number of decades now, and the expectation for Messiah is growing even further because these foreign rulers have come and taken over your country. Then there's, uh, there's different sects within the society. There are Pharisees who seem to be, doing, uh, to be well off, and they're doing really well. They're wealthy and the rabbis and the teachers, but they're kind of hypocrites, but you, nobody would dare tell them anything. And um, you know the man that you're going to marry, because that's how it works. And he's a good man. He's, he's called Joseph, and you're just waiting for the right moment when it all happens. And then suddenly, God comes to you and says, you're going to have a child before you get married, and you're going to call him Jesus. So, that in itself would cause a lot of problems, but fast forward a few years, and then... The son that God promised you is born, is growing. You know that one day he's going to be a great rabbi, a good teacher, because he's a great son. I mean, mothers know their sons really, don't they? They can tell. And this son, there's something different about him uh, that you knew right from the moment he was conceived. So you think he's got a great future ahead of him until the night they bring some news, some really disturbing news. Some of his friends come and say, He's been arrested. You think, well, he's a good boy, he's a good lad, he wouldn't be up to no good, really, um, in general. So what's he being accused of? You hurry out, thinking, I'm going to go and find out why he's been arrested, and I'm going to try and see if we can sort this out. You have faith in the justice system, because the justice system supposedly is based on the word of God. It's a society that boasts itself in having laws given to them directly by God. So you would think, if they're all based on the word of God, then some good will come out of it. They're going to know my son is innocent. But you realize, those convicting your son of blasphemy against the God of Israel are breaking a number of rules themselves, given to them by God. You're in despair. You just hope that the justice system would work, 
and to your horror, you realize it's not going to work because those in power and authority are against your son and they're twisting things. So at this point, you probably hope that your son, you probably guessed it's Jesus, he would come and stand up and when he's about to give witness, he would just say, no, I never said any of these words. They're all lying. I never said them. I never said I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I never said these sort of things so that he can get away with things, so that he can be released. But you hear all he's concerned about is his disciples. The friends, one of whom has betrayed him already three times. The friends, one of whom went and betrayed him and sold him to the Romans and to the Jewish authorities. And he's saying, let my disciples go. Let them go. Don't have anything to do with them. It's me you want. In one of the darkest moments of history, he's thinking of others rather than himself. And so the trial continues. So this morning we'll be looking at the unfair trial and God's kingdom. There are a number of famous trials in history, some probably in recent times, some in ancient times, from the trial of Socrates to Martin Luther to Galileo to... Rivonia trials to the trial of Jesus. Now, in this part of the world and in this day and age, it's probably really difficult for us to imagine that people would go and be tried unfairly because we have a good justice system or some would think, maybe some may disagree, but we do have a democratic and fairly good justice system in this country. So if you are going to be tried, you're afforded a solicitor, you're given time and space to defend yourself. But that's not the case with Jesus' trial. And unfortunately, many of those following him in other parts of the world are in, very often find themselves in a similar situation. Many brothers and sisters, many Christians in parts of the world are being tried on false charges simply because they believe in Jesus. So we share in his resurrection, but we also share in his suffering. This still happens today. Just like Jesus wasn't given dignity, just like he was tried on false charges, many Christians are being tried. Many in other parts of the world are not given the dignity of being able to defend themselves. And I'm going to give you a story um, and a quote from um, somebody that um, quite recently um, who stood up and gave testimony. And that's always been a great encouragement to me. The trials before the Jewish authorities, the trials that Jesus had, they have quite a lot of um, things in them that are against the laws of God. So these are the very people who are supposed to lead the Jewish nation towards God and encourage them to keep the laws of God, but they're breaking them. The trials were, during, were held during the feast time, the Passover. That is one of the things. There should be no trials during feasts. If a death penalty was given, 24 hours must pass by, at least a day or so, before it can be taken place. The Jews had no authority to execute anyone because they were under the Roman rule. But you can tell when they go before the pilot and Pilate says, what's he done? I mean, this guy, he can't have done anything. They've already got, got preconceived ideas about what they want Pilate to do. It's not a trial. They're just taking him there for formalities. But these guys who are breaking many laws about justice, many laws that God had given them, are really careful about one thing, not going 
into a Gentile's house because they may get defiled and they can't take part in the Passover. That's religion, guys. That's religion. And with religion, we can twist things. We can do things in a way where we just get what we want at the end without feeling guilty. Have you done that before? Don't put your hands up. If you think no, then let's have a chat afterwards. (laughs) Religion allows us to twist things or we find a way to change things around and do them without feeling guilty. So these guys, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish authorities, the leaders, the religious leaders, they're not careful at all about justice and how God had told them to carry it out in their society. But they're really careful about not going into a Gentile's house for the feast because it means they won't be able to take part in the Passover. So here we hear Annas, the high priest, asked Jesus two questions. One's about his disciples and one's about Jesus' teachings. Maybe he wanted to find out how influential Jesus was. And also, maybe he wanted to find out if his disciples would make the same claims as Jesus did. Perhaps he thought that yeah, these people have been hanging around with Jesus for about three years now, so they've picked up something from him. You know, you become like your friends, don't you? You hang around with somebody, you, you pick up things from them, whether good or bad. You hang around with God, you become more like him. You spend time with him, you become more like him. You hang around with your friends, you, you pick up things from them. So uh, a few years ago, um, Raj invited me to go and visit the Hindu temple in Middlesbrough with him. So we went in, both of us, got in, and from the first moment, the first person I saw to the last person, they all had one question for me. Are you a doctor? (laughs) Now, here's me thinking, I don't look like a doctor, and they've certainly not seen my handwriting, so they can't tell I'm a doctor or not. But yeah, because I've been hanging around with Raj, they think I'm a doctor, because they know Raj was a GP, and therefore he would only hang around with people who were like him. But didn't realize that he's probably hanging around with a refugee and the sort of people he has in his house now and again. But, um, yeah, they probably wouldn't let him in there. But anyway, so they thought that I was like Raj because we're friends. And it's probably similar. Anas is thinking, if you had disciples who really loved you and they were coming around with you and they spent three years and they gave up everything, sometimes they said no to their mothers and fathers in that society is quite difficult. Uh, Sometimes they gave up their jobs, they were fishermen. They gave up everything to hang around with him. Maybe they've picked up something. Maybe they've got similar claims. Maybe he should go after them. But Jesus is not answering the question about his disciples. Because you know what? Jesus looks after his own. He looks after the ones that are following him. doesn't necessarily mean we'll never be in difficult times. But God looks after us. We could all be one of the characters in this story. We could all be like Annas. We could all be like Pilate. We could all be like Barabbas. You'd be wondering, no, I could never be like Annas or Barabbas or Pilate. Maybe Jesus, but no, no. Let me tell you, when was the last time you questioned God? When was the last time you you thought that your ideas were better than God's plans? This is what Annas is doing here. Supposedly, the high priest is questioning the ultimate high priest, Jesus himself. He is called our high priest. 
in the New Testament. So he's Annas questioning the high priest. When was the last time you acted like Pilate? You thought, I'm the king of my life, I know better, and I'm going to tell God what to do. When was the last time you listened to the father of lies, as Jesus calls Satan? Barabbas means the son of the father. When was the last time you were not after the real son of the father and you listened to the father of lies instead? All of us in our lives have acted like one of these people. We've been the high priest, supposedly. We've acted like we're the king. And we've acted like we are following the ultimate son of God, but we haven't. Now, what's interesting about the Gospel of John here is that he doesn't really go into detail about, uh, or he doesn't give us an account of uh, Jesus being tried before Caiaphas and then sent back and forth. But he focuses on the trial before the Roman authorities. Now, it's at this point that some people ask, who killed Jesus? Was it the Jews? Was it the Romans? Because they were both involved. Who did it? And quite a lot of people have spent a lot of time and resources researching into it, coming up with an answer. Was it Jews? Was it the Romans? Or was it both of them? But here's my take in it. I think Jesus' death answers more questions than actually raising more questions. Jesus' death answers quite a lot of questions. It answers one of the biggest problems that humanity had, being separate from God. Jesus' death is not to be seen as a question, but as an answer. As we were singing today, and praise God that we don't have to wait for Easter to be able to sing this. The important thing is that he died, no matter who did it. But of course it does matter if you'd like to find out more and maybe dig into it. The thing is that it took place. It happened. And that's what matters the most. Because without that, none of us would be around here. Without his death, and equally his resurrection, we would not be here together. We would not be able to come before God freely and say, you're our Father. We would not be able to really and truly say that I am free. It was his death and resurrection that did it. Now, looking at the kingdom of God, Pilate is really interested in that bit. Because Jesus says, oh, what do you think? He says, am I a Jew? not like you. He's despising them. He's thinking, oh, these guys, they've been following the wrong thing. They've got to come into the right kingdom. They've got to understand things. He says, I'm not a Jew. I don't care. But what's important to me is, do you have claims to the throne? Are you saying you're a king? Because if you are, then I'll have to deal with you. Otherwise, if it's a theological problem, you should go out and have a fight with these guys. I'm not interested. So you can see it in two ways. He said, are you the king of the Jews? He may have asked this in a sarcastic way, looking at Jesus, thinking, this guy, look at him. I mean, come on, look at his clothes. He's probably not eaten well uh, for a number of years. Are you really the king? It probably, if he was from Teesside, he'd probably be thinking in his head, you're joking, aren't you? You're the king. Look at him. You can never be the king. Or he would have probably said that in awe, thinking, are you really the king? Because, I mean, just 30 years prior to that, when Jesus was born, the king of the Romans commanded the soldiers to go and kill the kids, all the children, because he had news that the Messiah was born. So they're really paranoid about this king of the Jews. They're thinking, if we get him down, then the Jews are ours for the rest of eternity. 
They're really paranoid about the king of the Jews. So he's really, really focusing on that. Are you the king? Jesus answers the question. He says, you said I'm the king, but my kingdom is not like yours. Yours expands through walls. Your kingdom sometimes thinks that it has justice in it at its center, but it doesn't. Your kingdom favors the rich and despises the, the poor. Your kingdom favors those who have power and despises the widows and those who are powerless. My kingdom is not of this world. He makes it really clear to Pilate that my kingdom is different. But what is the kingdom of God? You've probably heard this phrase being spoken about at church a lot. And sometimes you've heard people say, the kingdom of God is here and not yet fully here. You know, when, when I hear that, it's here and not yet, or it's today and not already, it just reminds me of some of the times I'm trying to fool the kids. So they ask me, are we there yet? And we've still got another four hours or so, and I'll just say almost. And it's just so that we can get by, just so that they won't ask another question. Uh, so if we don't understand what it means, it's just like one of those things that we, we try to, to, to phrase or we try to say so that we've talked about the kingdom of God. But what does it mean? Let me tell you, as human beings, it would be almost impossible for us to fully understand the kingdom of God. Because first of all, we're talking about God anyway. And we are human beings. We are limited. But the kingdom of God is a narrative. And a narrative here, in every page, the kingdom of God is here, is a story. It's not a fiction. It's the reality of God. Some say the kingdom of God is heaven. Some say the kingdom of God is the church. Some say the kingdom of God is the social action, ethics. Now, whilst all of these are part of the kingdom of God, none of them on its own are fully the kingdom of God. These are just part of it. The kingdom of God is a journey, and it will fully come when we, re- when we arrive at the destination. It's like a rescue operation. The kingdom of God is a story. You can trace it in the Bible, from Adam to Jesus Christ, and it continues to date. Now, God doesn't want us to be naive and think, okay, the kingdom of God is fully here, then I might as well just carry on with my life because it's here. I don't really need to go and tell others about Jesus. I don't really need to do anything else because the kingdom of God is here. Now, that's being naive. But also, he doesn't want us to be hopeless and think, it's not here. It will come one day. But until then, I'm in too much pain. I'm too scared. I'm fearful. I'm frightened. So I'm going to lose hope and I'm just going to wait for the day when it fully comes. No, the kingdom of God is here today. We had a sense of it this morning and it still continues as we continue to have fellowship with one another, as God's presence continues to manifest itself in his people and through his people. But also, this isn't it. It's going to get better and better. It's going to come in full. Now, if you think that the kingdom of God is going to come or is fully here, then it just makes us people who are just sat watching a drama on being unfold. We're not that. The church has never been called to just sit around, look at the kingdom of God and say, oh, I love that bit. Isn't that good? Or that part. Oh, I just, that's my bit. I'm going to sit there in the kingdom of God and, I, and that's my territory. That's the bit of cloud that I've got and I'm going to sit on it with a little harp and I'm just going to spend all my days. Um, you know what my bit's going to be like? A bit of a cloud or whatever it is, but it's got to be a barbecue in there. And yeah, 
no lamb would dare enter. But, <laughs> but the kingdom of God is not a drama. We're not in a theater where we sat watching something being unfolded. We're part of it. You and I, those who believe in Jesus, we're all part of it and we've been called to take part in this. We've been called to take part in this wonderful narrative. We are part of it. When we carry the kingdom of God, there is no way you can stop yourself from not proclaiming it. I did tell you about the trial at the beginning and I said I've got an example for you. Uh, Mehdi Dibaj, he was a Christian, a, con a Christian convert in Iran who was born into a Muslim family. He became a Christian uh, under one of the most strict regimes in the world and uh, he was thrown in prison for 10 years with no charges whatsoever. And when the international community started to put pressure on the government, they put a trial up for him just so that it was out of formality. And in that trial, they give him a few minutes and they said, defend yourself. Now, imagine in a similar situation like Jesus, the religious authorities are there. This guy's got a few minutes to say, I'm not guilty, please let me go. I've got a family, I've got children, my wife's waiting for me, I've been here for 10 years, please let me go. What does he do? I've taken one part of his testimony and it had to be translated into English, but I'm going to tell you what he started with. He said, I am a Christian. As a sinner, I believe Jesus has died for my sins on the cross and by his resurrection and victory over death has made me righteous in the presence of the Holy God. Jesus paid the penalty of our sins by his own blood and gave us a new life so that we can live for the glory of God by the help of the Holy Spirit. In response to this kindness, he has asked me to deny myself and be his fully surrendered follower and not to fear people even if they kill my body but rather rely on the creator of life who has crowned me with the crown of mercy and compassion. He is the great protector of his beloved ones as well as their great reward. This has always been a source of encouragement to me, particularly in times of trial. This guy who could say anything, who could really say, I made a mistake, who could say anything else to get himself out of prison, stood there and testified to the goodness of God. Why? Because he had experienced what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And not only that, he didn't want to keep it to himself, but rather wanted to, everyone around to hear that. He wanted those who thought they've got it all right, the religious authorities, to hear of how Jesus has redeemed him by his power and by his blood. How Jesus, who died on the cross and looked helpless, rose again from the grave. How Jesus paid the price for him so that he can serve the kingdom of God. And I want to encourage each and every one of us, in every situation, remember the price that Jesus paid for us and remember how our brothers and sisters have stood up in times of difficulty and said, I know there are ways I can get away with it, but just like my master, just like my king, I'm going to stand up and tell you the truth. Because there's only one truth, and that's that Jesus is the Son of God. That there is no way anyone could be re redeemed other than through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, in this kingdom, you may think, well, if the king is God, then there's only good things. But yes, every good thing comes from him. But we live in a fallen world. Until the, this kingdom comes in full, we do experience pain. In fact, many of us have pain in our lives, whether emotional or physical. 
But when Jesus was walking around saying the kingdom is at hand, him being God, the sick were healed. The lame could walk. The lepers who were away from the society, they'd probably not taken part in any social ways of life for many years since they were diagnosed. They were healed and they could go, come back to the society. They could go back to their homes, to their wives, to their children. He restored hope in those who had no hope. A woman who had 12 years of an issue of bleeding touched his garment and it, that was it. She was healed. So Jesus walked and proclaimed the kingdom of God and this sort of things happened. And today they happen. As we proclaim the kingdom of God, these things happen. As we go about proclaiming the kingdom, as we go into our work, as you go to eat with your friends in their homes or in a restaurant, as you go to work tomorrow, as you go to your university or college, you can declare the kingdom of God and the same things will happen. The hopeless will have hope. They will be restored. The orphan will be made a son. The widows, those that nobody else would care about in the society, would find hope in the God, the creator of the universe. These are the sort of things that will happen. But it's not just it. People will come to get to know him as you go and proclaim it. What are the sort of things that you have in your life? What pains do you have now that you think are really look forward to the fullness of kingdom when these pains, when these worries are not around me. What are they? Don't wait for the fullness of kingdom. Bring it before the cross. Bring it before the one who can take them away right now at this moment. Where are you going to take this kingdom with you? Because you are bearing this kingdom on you. As we inherit this kingdom, let us not just keep it to ourselves. What are you going to do with what God started in you, with his kingdom? We all, have a, we all have something to give. We all have a part to play. God is committed to us. Are you committed to him? Have you ever doubted God's commitment? If you have, let me tell you, it's not God's commitment. It's the lies of the enemy. He is committed to us. And I'd like to finish with this. Uh, can I ask the band to come up if possible, please? I know we have, we've had some time of prayer, but it's good to pray together again um, and just really bring some of the things that are weighing us down, some of the worries that would not allow us to take this kingdom with us into wherever we go, some of the things that we're longing for the fullness of life to come, for the fullness of kingdom to come, some of the things that we're longing to get rid of. God can do that for you today too. When the kingdom of God comes, it brings life with it. Um, there's a quote by Terry Virgo. I'm just going to read this and finish with this, and then we'll all stand up to worship and praise him, and there'll be time for us to pray with one another. So this is what Terry Virgo said. We live with the, prophet, we, we, we live with the prophetic promise that the underground streams will break through the surface and become powerful, visible rivers carrying life, fruitfulness and influence. We long for God to come with power. Revival remains the need of the hour. The kingdom of God is about people turning around, giving their lives to Jesus. Are you longing for revival? Are you longing to see God's kingdom come to your place? 
Are you longing for your neighbors to come and get to know Him? Are you longing for your streets to be full of people praising Him? Are you longing for the day where Teesside is known as a place where God is being lifted up on high? Are you longing for the day when this nation is known as a nation that has God as its center? Are you longing for the day where men and women from across the world and different nations and backgrounds, as they are already, lift up their hands and worship Him? It can only happen through Him and by our obedience. Let's stand together. We're going to sing a song together and continue with our worship. If you'd like to be prayed for, if there's something in your heart that you feel, I need to bring this before God because I don't want to be carrying it with me anymore. He is able to take it away from you. He is able to lift up your burden because His burden is light. Then let one of the ministry team to pray for you. Ministry team, if you could go to the sides again, please. And it would be a good place to pray for healing, too, because God loves to heal us. Now, very often it happens now in our lifetime, and if not, we will receive the fullness of it in the times to come. So if you'd like to be prayed for for healing, please do go to one of the team, one of the ministry team, and be prayed for. Let's worship with a song, and let's come and be prayed for together.